How's it going, guys? Anybody? Thank you. Thank you. There we go. Come on. I haven't even started yet. I've already lost your interest. <laughs> Terrible. So listen, y'all, um, about a decade ago, um, I spent eight months as a, as a music teacher. Uh, it was like a really, really long career, right? Um, <laughs> didn't last long. But while it lasted, it was, it was fun. I ran a percussion ensemble. Um, it was an after-school thing at a, at a middle school um, in the town that I grew up in. And it was, it was a lot of fun. It was kind of my first um, step into, into leadership and teaching and um, kind of my first taste of um, doing something similar to this, a little bit. Um, and I loved it. It was just playing music with kids. It was great. And there's one kid in particular that uh, I, stands out to me. I, I still remember him um, really well. And his name wasn't Max, but I'm going to call him Max because I'm going to make fun of him, and I don't want to make fun of a middle schooler. Um, so... Um, so Max, Max was uh, kind of a classic story. He was a good kid, smart kid, talented kid, but troubled life at home and, and, a, and a troubled life at school. And you know, so he needed, I wanted to give him a win. I wanted to give him a, a moment where Max could kind of stand up and do something cool and be applauded and you know, grow some confidence, maybe get him doing some other cool things uh, later on in life. So. I was writing the, the, the piece that we were going to perform, and um, I decided I was going to put Max on the chimes. And if you guys don't know what chimes are, they're these giant metal tubes, and you play them with a hammer. Like, they're, they're huge. It's just like this big bong, 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 like epic, majestic, cool, really cool instrument, right? So, not, so I wanted to give that to Max. It's like, hey, Max, go play this really cool, fun thing that you hit with a hammer, and, you know. Um, and I, I built this moment into the piece where everything builds up and builds up and all, there's, there's, there's all this tension and, and, and harmony and, and, and it's swelling and swelling and it's big loud music and then everything cuts out except for Max's chimes and he just has to hit this one big note that's just going to resound and resolve all that tension and it was, I mean I was a little bit jealous of him, I wanted to play that part, um, I wrote him the part that I wanted to play, you know, um, as, as a gift to him, you know, and I spent time working with them. We, I taught them, you know, the right technique, how to, how to work the pedal and how to reach the top of the chimes that are like two feet taller than him. And um, we get to our first and only performance. And I'm, I'm doing my conductor thing up front and we're getting towards the, towards Max's moment. And, and I look at Max and he's just, <laughs> yeah, you know where this is going. Um, and, and we're getting closer and closer, and we get all the, all the musical cues. It was like, Max, when you start hearing this, your part's coming up. When you start hearing that, you're even closer, all right? And all those musical cues are just coming and flying past, and Max just staring up into space. I have no idea what was going through his head, but by the smile on his face, it w he was having the time of his life. <laughs> just do ba -ba 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 -ba, right? <laughs> staring off into space, and so, and, and the moment's coming, I'm, Max, 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 trying to get his attention, trying to get his attention, and it swells up, and here's this big moment, everything cuts out, and Max missed his moment. Um, and there was, there was a, a solid 15 seconds leading up to it, where I, I legitimately, honestly, really considered 
walking over and playing the note for him. Or maybe like grabbing his wrist. So, you know, so Max still played it. Um, cause it, was, it was an important moment in, in, in the piece. It just, and, and it was it, because that, I don't know how much you guys know about music, but you know, when, when chords don't resolve, it just kind of leaves you like <laughs> feeling like that. And, and that's how it felt. Um, at, at that part in that in that piece, it was. Um, so I really, I really did. I think I might have actually like taken subconsciously like a step forward to run in and do it, but I didn't. Obviously, I w- probably wouldn't be telling you guys this story if I had done that because it's just embarrassing as as a teacher, right? To 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 go do that for your kids because really the point of the music, I, I wasn't there just to to write and have performed like this perfect, brilliant piece of music, right? If I'd wanted to do that. I wouldn't have been working with middle schoolers. <laughs> and like, no offense to any of the middle schoolers in the room or listening online, like, it's just that you haven't, you really haven't reached your peak yet. All right? You've got, you've got great things ahead of you coming. So just patience, um, young Padawan. Uh, so again, the point wasn't to, to have this perfectly played piece of music. If I wanted that, I could have played, you know, played it all myself and recorded it, or I could have even programmed, I had a computer I could have programmed that would have done a pretty good job of making all those noises, and it would have been exactly as I wrote it, and that wasn't my goal. My goal was, see, I I, I knew the joy that came from creating something beautiful, and I wanted to share that with the kids. I wanted them to to experience that, to have that, to learn that, just the joy that comes from from playing a piece of music and, and, and hitting that perfect chime note. Um, I knew that joy and I wanted to share it with them. So I wanted to play this music with them. If I had gone and, and, and played Max's note, the note would have been played, but Max would have missed out, not just on the note that he missed out on, but now he's going to be discouraged. He's not going to want to come and try and, and engage with this anymore. Um, there's that idea, that, that concept, right, of, of the joy of, of creating beauty, the joy of participating in something beautiful, I think there, that's actually kind of a, a fundamental drive, one of the fundamental drives in us as a species. There's a, there, there's a reason that every culture that we, we know of, we're aware of, has had some form of art and poetry and music. And, and it goes beyond that, too. I mean, what's the... What's the beauty of, or part of the beauty, what's part of the beauty of a good relationship, whether it's romantic or with a friend or with a family member, it's, it's you and that person or you and those people coming together and creating beautiful lives for each other. You find joy in that, right? And, and it goes even beyond art and beyond relationships, right? This is like, there, there's beauty in a job well done. Right, there, there's there we can find beauty in, in doing our jobs well, whether we're, we're craftsmen or tradesmen or or pilots or or you work in an office or you're that guy that wrangles carts at like Walmart, you can find beauty in doing that well. And when you find that beauty, you find joy in what you're doing. And we don't always agree on what beauty is, what it looks like. We all have kind of our own different conceptions and ideas of it, right? And so, so don't get suckered into like someone else's idea of beauty, like I know, um, I love uh, punk music, I love it, 
and it is objectively ugly. <laughs> but to me, it's just absolutely beautiful, right? Um, so don't, we, we don't always all agree on what beauty looks like, but we do all when we find it and we get a chance to participate in, in it and to create it, we find joy. And see, I'm, because I'm a Christian, right? I believe that this universal thing that's, that, that we all recognize is a part of all of us, I, I don't think it's on accident, right? We've, God designed us, God planned us to have that trait, that desire, that joy that comes from creating something beautiful. And I actually want to take it a step further. I think not only are we designed to respond to beauty that way, I think God has set us up, each of us individually in different ways, God has set us up to have moments, moments like I tried to create for Max where we can, that we can step into and, and create beauty, be a part of something beautiful and find joy in that. And lucky for me, there's a verse that says almost exactly that, which is like, makes my job really easy. This is uh, Ephesians 2.10. Um, and it reads, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And right, so for we are, we are God's handiwork, we're created by him, we're designed by him. And right, created in Christ Jesus, right, this is, this is language that the Bible uses to describe what happens when you become a Christian, when you have faith. In Jesus, we step into a relationship with him. It says we're, we're created new in Christ Jesus and created for what? It's to do good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. Uh, this, is, this is a lot of kind of my, my, my musical background kind of coming out here. But when I read that, I'm reminded of, and it sounds to me a lot like a composer writing a piece of music for an orchestra that he knows really well. He's writing each, each line, each, each piece of that music, each part for each instrument, knowing not just how all those pieces fit together, but knowing, knowing the ability and the temperament of every person who's going to play it and knowing exactly what that's going to bring to that, that little piece that he wrote for them. He knows exactly how they're going to amplify that and make it their own. Still beautiful and still his plan, but kind of their own. There's, I'm going to get a little, little, little poetic here, but it's, I, I really do believe, I, I, I think about this a lot, like we're part of this grand symphony of creation, which God has written, just this beautiful score. And he does this through these works, right, that he has prepared in advance, these good works he's prepared in advance for us to do, and I'm going to talk about what those works look like in a second, right? I'm going to drop the metaphor soon, and we'll, we'll talk, we'll get a little practical and a little nitty-gritty, but I want to hang on to it for just a little bit longer, because I think there's still something to learn from that idea of a, um, a, 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 of a symphony, thinking about this as if we're musicians in an orchestra, and God has written a piece for, so there's this, this uh, kind of artistic tool. In, in music, but also in, it's, it's in books and movies and TV and um, everything. And you guys have heard of this, I'm sure. It's, it's the idea of foreshadowing, right? It's where you kind of hint at this big idea that's coming. 
Okay, that's something that's happening and it's going to happen. And, and you just see little tiny pieces of it, little different facets of it, different sides of it. And then when you get to that big idea, right, all of a sudden, like not only have you been thinking about it and anticipating it and you're, you're excited to see what all of that leads to, but now you can look back from the reveal to all of the foreshadowing that happened before and it, it puts them in a new context and it, it makes them, it gives them, makes them more powerful, it gives it more meaning, each little element of foreshadowing, all right? And see, I, I believe that these good works that God has prepared for us are a, a form of foreshadowing. It's a way of anticipating something bigger, something great that's going to come eventually, right? And, and I, see, I think if we can learn, if we know what that, what that thing to come is going to be, we can start to get a glimpse and a good, uh, some context and, and a better understanding of what these good works prepared for us might look like. So we can recognize them and not be like Max. Just miss it. Um, I'm still a little frustrated about that, guys. <laughs> uh, if, if you could tell. So, uh, back on track. So, what's, what's cool is there, we actually get a pretty clear, a fairly clear, as clear as it can be, um, idea, a glimpse in the Bible about what this, this big idea that these good works are foreshadowing is. We, we get a glimpse of it, and this is, uh, we see it in Revelation 21, 4. And guys, this is part of a, a beautiful, beautiful chapter of the Bible. If you want something cool to read today, go home and read Revelation 21. It's, 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 it's mysterious and it's beautiful and it's, it's exciting and it's inspiring. And um, if I went, read through the whole thing, I'd geek out and keep you here till like noon. So <laughs> I limited myself to the, just this one verse. So uh, chapter 21, verse 4. He, he meaning God, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. This is, by the way, this is like our hope. This is what, as Christians, this is what we believe in. A time is coming when God will wipe every tear from every eye. A time is coming when the old order of things will pass away. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain or death. We believe a time is coming when everything will be beautiful and nothing will hurt. This is our hope. This is what we believe in, right? And I, I, I think, I believe, man, and I hope I'm right because I'm preaching it to you, but our moments, our, the, our moments that God prepares for us, these good works he's prepared in advance for us to do, foreshadow that time when every tear will be wiped from every eye. It foreshadows a time when everything will be beautiful and nothing will hurt. So, this begins to give us a glimpse at, an understanding of, of, of a small picture, right, of what, what these moments might look like. It gives us a hint so we can, kind of a cue, right? So again, we're not like Max and just let our moments pass by, these, let our good works pass us by and, and, and miss it, miss out on the opportunity to take part, to have the joy, right, in creating these beautiful moments. And I could, I could list and, uh, uh, you know, different ways that this might look really um, 
practically in your life. But the truth is, like, this is, this is a really, this can look like a million different ways for each of us. This is, this is stuff as simple as handing a fiver to the guy under the bridge. It's as simple as, you know, teaching someone how to sing or paint or, or you know, find a way to express themselves. It's, and it can be as, as complicated, right, as giving someone marriage advice or walking someone through an addiction. Or, um, you know, it could be as crazy as, as moving across the country or moving to another country. It can be, it can be, it can be just a million different things. But really, the, the, the goal here and the idea is, man, that where we see ugliness in the world we can do something about it. We can take that ugliness, but we can't turn it into something beautiful. Where we see hurt in the world, we can turn things into healing. And as we do this, as we take part in that beauty, we begin to experience the joy designed for us here in this life. And now, obviously, like, each and every one of us can't do everything, right? There's, there's, there were, you know, to, to go back to, to that percussion ensemble thing, right? I had about another 10 or 12 other musicians in that ensemble, and only one of them could hit the chime note, right? Only one of them had the hammer. I'd given him the training and the tools that he needed, that Max needed, to hit that note. And in the same way, God gives us the training and the tools that we need to hit our moments, right? To, to do our good works, and so you can look around when you, where you see pain and suffering and you see, hey, I think I can actually do something about that. Hey, buddy, that's your moment. Don't miss it. Where you see something ugly in the world and, oh, I think I can actually do something about that. Buddy, that's your moment. Don't miss it. If you start paying attention, there's, there's patterns in your life and there's patterns in the lives of people around you, if you're paying attention to them, you see them kind of begin to coalesce, to come together, and to, to point you, to nudge you, to say, hey, 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 your moment's coming up, your moment's coming up. And um, this sounds way more mystical than it is. Um, I want to kind of illustrate that um, with an announcement. Uh, so this is actually uh, my third to last Sunday here at, at CLC. Um, a lot of you guys know that already, some of you don't. Um, and the reason I'm leaving, right, is not necessarily because I want to. Um, I'm not overly excited to. It's heartbreaking to think about life without you guys. But, see, there's this church out in Washington, and they run a, a homeless youth ministry, and they, they fund it with a coffee shop, right? And a lot of you guys know that I've been homeless, and hopefully you know that I've worked for churches because I'm here preaching. Um, what, you, what you may not know is before I got into the church, I was beginning to build a career in coffee. And so here at this church, right, I have three things that not only am I passionate about, but I have life experience in. I can meaningfully contribute to. And, and the people here that I'm training, the people that I've, I've been, been leading and developing and trying to help grow, they're, they're growing. They're growing in a lot of ways. And it's getting to the point where I'm in their way. There's opportunities for the moments that God has prepared for them that if I'm here, I might as well go and I might as well be grabbing that hammer out of Max's hands and hitting their notes for them. 
So my responsibilities here, right, are, are being freed up by, by the, just the awesome people I've had the chance to, to work with here. And on top of that, right, I don't have a family that I support, right? I'm just some dude. Um, <laughs> no kids, man. So I, I, I can kind of take this risk. I can throw everything I own in the back of a really old Ford Taurus and pray that it makes it to Washington. <laughs> and I can do that. And uh, that's the extent of my plan <laughs> is I'm just going to go see what's up. I can do that, right? So there's, there's all these, these patterns. There's coincidences. There's things in life that kind of point me that direction. It's I'm not going, not going out there on a whim. I'm not going out there because I, I think it'll be fun, which I do. But going out there because it's kind of like God's whispering at me, dude, your moment's coming. Get out there. Don't miss it. So I'm going to go. Now, this is often, um, you're not, your moment is not usually going to be booking it across the country to maybe go join a church that sounds cool. Like, it's not, it's usually smaller things. But if you start paying attention, man, to, to the patterns in your life, the patterns in the lives of other people, the, the coincidences that pop up, the, the ways that God kind of whispers and nudges and pushes us, man, you'll see you know what, that guy, I've suffered what that guy suffered. I can help walk him through it. I know how to do what that person wants to do. Just let me, let me teach her how. Um, you know, it's, it can be tricky and it can be slippery and it's its, its own thing. And it, it takes us paying attention, being aware, being mindful of our lives and what's around us. But if we do that, we can kind of step into these big moments that God has created for us, these opportunities to create something beautiful and revel in the joy of doing that. And I don't know, I'm always down for more joy in my life, man. So, and if you're, if like you have enough joy already and you don't need more, I don't know why you're here at church, man. <laughs> Go home or actually take the mic and tell us what's, what's up, right? Either way. Either way. Now, this is, we're, we're in a series called uh, Control B, about talking about being bold, and haven't done anything about being bold yet, um, so I might as well work that in here at the end of the sermon, just so it's technically a part of the series. <laughs> and here's, here's the thing, man, is, is great things, beautiful things, have a cost attached with them, Right? We know this is just by the things that we buy, right? You can go to Walmart and buy a chair, and, you know, you might sit in it a couple times before it breaks, right? Or you can go find, you know, go find that woodworker. Go find someone who's going to handcraft you this beautiful, like, mahogany, like, captain's chair. And that's going to last you forever, man. Um, and it's going to cost you a lot more. Too. These good things cost us stuff. Sometimes it's our time and our money. Sometimes it's, it's, it's an emotional weight that we have to carry for someone else. Sometimes it's anything else that we have to give, anything else that we have to lose. Sometimes we're going to have to give of those things. Sometimes we're going to have to lose those things, and it can be scary. But when we're talking about 
when we're talking about life, man, when we're talking about chasing after beauty, chasing after joy, when we're talking about stepping into these moments that God prepared for you, it's not the time to be frugal. It's not the time to be cheap. You'll get what you paid for and more. I truly, man, I truly do believe that. As I said, as I start to kind of close this up, and I have a sneaking suspicion that I only wrote like half a sermon, um, as, as I kind of close this up, I want to look at, there's a, it's the last, last two lines of a poem by, by Walt Whitman, um, and it really sums up a lot of what we've been talking about today. You can throw that up there if you, if you like it. I don't care. Um, this is... This is what it says, man. He's, he's wrestling in this whole poem with kind of why. Why life? Why me? Why, like, why am I here? What am I here for? And this is the answer that he comes to. It says that you are here. That life exists and identity. That the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. Now for, for a lot of people, that might just be a nice sentiment. For us as Christians, for people who believe in God, who are chasing after God, that's not just a sentiment. That's, that's it. It's a really good way of summing up not just the purpose of this life, not just the hope that we have in this life, but the joy that we have, the joy given to us in this life is that the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. We get to be a part of creating something beautiful, a part of anticipating a time when everything will be beautiful and nothing will hurt. And if we do this, man, if we step into these moments that God has prepared for us, if we're willing to wipe tears from eyes, anticipating God wiping every tear from every eye, um, if we're willing to take the ugly and make it beautiful, if we're willing to take the hurting and turn it into healing, our lives will be filled with joy, man. It'll fill us up, and it'll fill, it'll spill over. It'll fill the lives of the people around us. Pe not just people that we know and love, but people we pass on the street, people who bag our groceries, the people who fill in the blank. We get to become, man, world changers, life changers. I can't imagine a better way to try and live your life. I can't imagine something better to chase after. So let's do it, man. Let's do it. I'm going to pray.